Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here, joined by uh, Melissa Griffith and Liz Liba. We're going to try to have another awkward conversation about race. So I guess there is no try, there is only do. That's what Yoda says. Yeah, it's come so, on, Mike. So, so Melissa, what's going on? How, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm definitely ready to have an awkward conversation about race. So feeling good about myself. Nice, nice. And then Liz, your first appearance, hopefully uh, we'll get you back on more on the regular, but uh, can you introduce yourself and a little bit of your background and context around education? And then we're going to want to lean in a little more about how things have changed in light of uh, George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis. But a lot going on, of course, in in a bunch of contexts, but you also have a ton going on too. So can you introduce yourself and uh, catch us up a little bit on who you are and how you got to where you are? Sure. Well, my name is Liz Liba, and I have been working in higher education for about 20 years. I started in higher ed uh, working in admissions. I worked for pre-proprietary schools before profits and did admissions for a good number of years and then started to look around and feel like I wanted to have more of a lasting impact on the student life cycle. In admissions, you kind of have that initial um, contact and then hand them off to everybody else and just I feel like I wanted to maybe work in the classroom so I became a faculty member about 10 years ago and I've been doing that for about the past 12 years or so I've worked in instructional design for about six years so I design online classes I've taught online as well for about a decade so that's really been my evolution Mm -hmm. in the education field I've done a lot of other various stuff. I'm like a carpet bagger. When I see something interesting, like career-wise, I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. Let me try that. So I, I've been an editor of a newspaper. I worked for the Seminole Tribe of Florida and was mm. the editor of that newspaper for about four years here on the reservation in Hollywood. Mm. I've worked in the addiction treatment field. I did admissions in addiction treatment and worked in that field for some time. So yeah, I'm just like a, a jack of all trades. I, I yeah. just want to help people that's really my goal yeah nice range of experiences and and one of those trades is podcasting too right so this is not your first rodeo when it comes to podcasting you're a podcaster is that correct i am a podcaster i actually am a co-host on the add up experience my uh, esteemed colleagues elvin freitas and joe lucio they actually started the podcast in january and in February, they reached out to me and asked me to come on. I think it was at that time I was like a, a sub. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, like, right, right. Sub? It's your call up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I got in here too. So it's yeah, good. that's how you wiggle your way in, right, yeah. Melissa? It's like, yeah. oh, you're a sub, and then you 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 you, you pull a Michael Strand on them, and you just yeah. <laughs> wiggle your way in there. So that's kind of what yeah. happened. I I was a sub one day, and then the next thing I knew, I was like a co-host. I'm like, how did that happen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice, it, it nice Michael, Michael Strahan rep. As a, yeah. as a longtime yeah. Giants fan and yeah. a fan of broadcast television, uh, <laughs> that, that, nice job, nice job on that one. Yeah. But, but yeah, and then one of, the, one of the ways I thought we could maybe kick off the conversation is, you know, in each of us has our own perspective, obviously, but I think what you may bring more of, Liz, is a perspective of inside higher education. How has the response been? Also, like online, you know, ed tech is, is a space you're very familiar with in light of the George Floyd incident and the Black Lives Matter movement that has, has been really active. Maybe we could hear a little bit about how, how it affected you and how you've responded. And then Melissa, more from the perspective of, of I guess, corporate America. And, and then I'll weigh in as like a white dude. 
but uh, Mike, yeah. you're more than a white dude to us. It's okay? true. You're it's more true. Than thank a white thank dude you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, but Liz, how about for you? Because I, you know, we just connected recently on LinkedIn, and as I mentioned when we were prepping, like you're you've been quite prolific in terms of telling your story, and I found it really uh, inspirational. I know you're getting a lot of response there, but uh, but can you catch us up a little bit on? on how things, how things have been and how you've been thinking about, you know, sort of expressing your perspective. Also on the podcast too, it sounds like you were able to kind of lean in maybe outside of traditionally talking about what's happening in education and ed tech, lean in a little more to just like an authentic, you know, conversation about the, the, the things you've been experiencing. Can you catch us up a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me in working in higher education for the past 20 years, I'm always thinking, and as a faculty member, how can I help influence in a positive way? Just the way that we think about important issues in this country. And for students, there's just so many issues that come up inside and outside of the classroom, whether it's being retained and making sure that they graduate, whether it's workplace readiness, whether it's recently with the COVID-19 and how do we make sure that students are kept safe while still continuing the educational journey, pivoting to online. So in response to all the civil unrest and the idea of racial inequity and police brutality, it's just another issue that we as higher education leaders, we have more of a responsibility to ensure that we speak out on these issues. We're there to educate the future leaders of our country. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. That's our job. I think sometimes higher education has gotten, I think in the past decade or so, a little bit of a bad rap because there's an idea of it being what it was supposed to be traditionally. You're supposed to go to school and, and become a better citizen and all of the different trappings and tradition that go along with higher education. But there's been a lot of outcry about student debt, about return on investment. And yep. there's just that, that dynamic of, are we really serving the student's best interests and their needs? And I think there's still such a place where we need to be cognizant of just the huge amount of responsibility that we play. And as faculty members, as an institution, what are we doing to ensure that the students voices are heard. I Mm -hmm. I was encouraged to see when I was looking at the Black Lives Matter, the protests and everything that's happened since the George Floyd murder in front of our eyes on video. There was no way around it. It was so blatant. Mm -hmm. And the amount of young people that came out, it's these Gen Zs and and some of the the younger generation and, Mm -hmm. and on social media is really where this picked up speed. Yeah. So I think in higher education, we have responsibility to meet that and ensure that we're speaking out as well, ensure that we're giving our students a voice, to ensure that we're talking about these important issues. There's a lot of issues in terms of the, the whitewashing of history. Yeah. In higher education, I've taught American literature classes where specifically has said in the textbook that the Civil War was not due to an issue of slavery. It was because right. of states' rights, and that's just not true right, it's right. really a, a distortion of mm. history and it's some of these things that we in higher education we have 
so much of responsibility to ensure that what we're teaching the next generation is accurate. Because when people are literally all over social media saying, I didn't know about the right. Tulsa race riots. I didn't right, know when right. Trump, when Donald Trump went to Tulsa, I didn't know that was a big deal. I never even heard of Black Wall Street. Something is wrong with the educational yeah. system where people don't know about huge massacres that have occurred in the black community where people don't know about Emmett Till, where people don't know yeah. the reality of slavery. It wasn't just, Hey, you know what? I'll just go work on your plantation and right, right, right. it's all a good time. And we're singing in the fields, but that's not what was happening. People yeah. were literally being shackled, yeah. flesh being whipped off their back. And people are being read in the textbook. Children are reading that it was just like indentured servitude. And right, right. you know, they were singing and everything was fine. That is not true. And in higher education, we have a responsibility to make sure we're informing students, educating yeah. them correctly about the history of this country, as painful as it is, and giving them a voice so that when it is time to protest, they can hit the street and be informed about what they're protesting about. Yeah. I was really struck the way in which you have responded, and I'd love to hear Melissa's perspective as well, because we did have a show about a week or two ago where we did begin to have this conversation. And, you know, Melissa, you were talking about your own activation and how maybe your approach and perspective changed in light of this particular incident. I'd love to hear maybe the two of you explore that and talk to each other about that. You know, yeah. Let's touch on it uh, earlier before we started recording. Let's touch on it. I think it's a it's a good point. I I am first generation to America. Like I I I was born in the Caribbean, raised in the Caribbean, came here for college, and so a lot of the history that is known in the black community, I also didn't know. I And I also never, shame on me, never took to learning it until much recently. In the last, I would say, years when I started to do a lot of reading on the history of, of blacks in, in America. And that's when you get the, you begin to profoundly understand. Mm -hmm. uh, one, what I've benefited from tremendously coming here was, was a, a system of what we would say is equality that was put in place, but when you're not starting at the same point, you're not equal. I had the benefit of coming here, then educated in the college system, going on to get my master's, and I had a lot more opportunities because I wasn't starting from the same place. And I think I, I fundamentally, I, I've, I struggled with that for a long time. I fundamentally now almost have a level of guilt that I also did not understand my responsibility to mm -hmm. actually educate myself first and then educate others on it. And it's why I have become much more uh, vocal about it. And, and so to hear what Liz just even talked about, some of the things she rattled off, I didn't know about them until like the last right. three months or so, because, and, and the only difference I think between, between me and others is when I hear about it and I don't know about it, I look it up now. Yeah. Because I realize I still have a lot of catching up. And so, yeah, I don't know. I went through the entire education system, uh, tertiary higher education system here in America and never learned this. Yeah. It wasn't that I wasn't trying to take a class. I took black history classes in mm -hmm. America and a lot of these things still are not taught. Yeah, it's... I, And I think that's the, that's the challenge, Liz, because unless you hit the professor that is willing to go into these conversations, I think we're going to have a hard time because not, not every professor looks like you. Mm -hmm. You're right. And I think that's a part of it. I, as an immigrant as well, I think you get that model immigrant mentality where people are like, oh, you, you did it. You know, yeah. what's the big mm -hmm. deal? It's like, hey, if you were able to do it, how come? Yeah, I have a bachelor's. Yeah, I went to UF on a full ride. Yeah, I have a master's degree. Actually, I have a master's and a half. So, hey, if yes. you can do that and you can be a professional, why is it so? But people have to understand, like you said, if someone's an immigrant 
they're coming from a totally different perspective. Their parents are coming from a totally different yeah. perspective. The resources that they have may be totally different. So there's such a different, like you said, the, the playing field is so different when you're coming from that perspective. And you do have to educate yourself. I happened to go to a predominantly black school in Fort Lauderdale yeah. High School. So it was really emphasized. But you're right. When I took African-American studies at U.S., none of this information as far as the, some of the brutality and some of the, 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 I guess, more painful and hurtful aspects of American history were not covered. It was more of like the W.E.B. Du Bois and Langston mm-hmm. Hughes and, yep. and some of the more thought, yep. the, the thought leaders and the social yep. aspects of it. But as far as the brutality, and I think that's what people need to understand. I think people feel like, well, you guys have, you know, you've been able to rise up and look at Martin Luther King and he said right. we're all the same and he had a dream and yep. everything's fine now. But that's just not true. And like you said, I think we, it's like Paul Lawrence, Lawrence Dunbar said, we wear a mask we are smiling and we're like, okay, you know, we can do it. And I don't want to ruffle any feathers. And I don't want people to think I'm a troublemaker. So you just smile and you pretend everything is fine. Yeah. And now that a lot of this is coming out with the Black Lives Matter the, the resurgence, because this is not the first rodeo for Black yep. Lives Matter. This has happened before with Eric Garner. But now this is happening again. People are like, well, why are they so triggered? Why are they so angry? Why are they rioting? Because we, we're not triggered now. We're always triggered. We're always, this is always below the surface. But most of us, especially if we're in professional corporate America, we know that that's just not acceptable. You know, I've been on conference calls where people like, you know, I'm talking and kind of having my, and I, it's not about race. It's just about things that we need to do with the department. Let's do this, let's do that. And I've literally had people tell me, why are you so calm? Why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm actually not angry at all. I'm just talking. And it's mm-hmm. like, there are certain things that we in the corporate space are constantly, it's called double consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. WB Do always talked about it. We're constantly watching ourselves. Okay, let me make sure I don't, I got to make sure I'm not too loud. I got to make sure I sound articulate. I got to make mm-hmm. sure yeah. you're constantly thinking about these things and, and making sure that you're acceptable and up to code. And, and these are things that, there's so many different areas that we have to think about. And this is going back to a system and a history where we have always had to watch our step and be careful about how we are perceived. And I think people just, at some point you get tired of that and you want to speak out about it. And that's why I've been so transparent. That's Mm -hmm. why I've tried to be so vulnerable in some of the the posts I've shared on LinkedIn and some of the discussions that I've had on the podcast, because I feel as though, people have a false sense. And like you said, you put, you put your head in the sand, Mike, and you think, yeah. oh, okay, everything's fine. And that's just not true. So obviously right. it's, it's, we're, we're not getting anywhere by just going along to get along. So let's right. just be truthful right. and, and also, say what's really happening. Maybe then people will understand. Right. The, the quote I'm using a lot right now is, you know, the best way to predict the future is to yeah. invent it or to create it. And I do think there are behavioral patterns that we've all fallen into around like what's okay to talk about in which contexts and what's not. And I think there is a unique opportunity right now, how, how sticky it is, how much it stays for the foreseeable future is, is a good question. But that's one of the reasons why we want to at least start having these conversations is that it does feel like there's an opportunity to, to be honest and vulnerable and emotional about things now 
you know, LinkedIn, I think in particular, Liz, is, is a, the, your choice to be very honest about your stories through the, the quote unquote professional platform that is LinkedIn. I'd love to hear more from you, you know, as to like what drove that decision and maybe tell, tell our listeners if they haven't tracked you yet, like some of the, some of the things you've been posting about over there, particularly, I think the stories about your, your experiences as a parent, and then also as an individual, it's the type of thing that there isn't really a good form, social format for that, I think, because LinkedIn, you might get some reaction where people say, you know, talk more about business here. And then Facebook is Facebook and Twitter is Twitter. But I like what you're doing on LinkedIn and I'd love to, to maybe hear what you're, what you're trying to accomplish there and, and what that experience has been like. Yeah, no, that's a great question because I think initially I've always focused on making sure that my LinkedIn feed was very professional. I wanted to make sure I focused on education topics, specifically on topics that were informative about higher education. I'm a higher education professional, faculty member. Don't want people to feel like I'm bombarding them or overwhelming them with stories about race and how my life is informed by race. So I've always stuck more to the professional aspect of posting on my LinkedIn profile. And I think really the straw that broke the camel's back for me was watching the George Floyd video. I think before that, I really only posted like stuff about race, maybe during like Black History Month. <laughs> Up yeah. until that point, yeah. more like, yeah. hey, black girls, black, you know, black girls rock or black girl magic and, yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I never really wanted to post anything too controversial because I think as a, a black woman in the corporate or higher education space, if you're posting a lot about race, it's like, oh, this is a rabble rouser. Like, what's yeah. she up to? You know, is this mm-hmm. controversial? Like, what's she trying to stir the pot here and be divisive? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to put that target on your back. But that video really knocked the wind out of my sails. Yeah. yeah Watching no. that it was transformative for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had the same reaction. I, I don't think I, I'm even posting enough because you do have that same reaction. Are people going to look at you and go, well, like, yeah, sure, more power to you, give you the thumbs up, and then it, it affects your, your career. It is, it's something that you have to worry about. It's something that when Mike and I first even started doing this podcast and talking about race on it, I was worried about. I've just, I've come up with the solution that, like, we have to start being our authentic selves. Like we, we have to start talking about it more openly or it's not going to change it. I, I know you keep going back to George Floyd, like George Floyd, George Floyd, like was probably the triggering for me. The, the video that pushed me over the edge and I don't know why I watched all 43 minutes of it, but it was the Rayshard Brooks mm-hmm. uh, video. And I don't know if you haven't watched that video, the difference, be, the, the difference in the situations were stark, mm-hmm. right? George Floyd was just so blatant. Mm-hmm. The Rayshard video, if, if you guys haven't watched it, don't necessarily watch all four or three minutes, but it was, it just escalated mm-hmm. so quickly. Before that point, you can go, oh, these cops are like kind of messing with this dude, but like they're going to let him off. They're just giving him a hard time. Right, right. And it went from that to just like, how did you shoot him? You right. know, this guy is drunk. You right. know, this guy is not in his right mind. Where is he going to run to? Right. Like it, that was the video that actually was the one that I was like, there is something wrong with this country because that also happened after we started rioting. Right. These cops knew what was going on and still managed to shoot this guy mm-hmm. that was running away from them. It also seemed more, I mean, to your point, like 
it's it's easier to say the bad apple in the the George. I mean, obviously, I mean, like yeah. it's incontrovertible that there are like really evildoers, like bad actors yeah. beyond reproach, and hopefully justice is served in in that con- that conversation. But the 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 Atlanta incident is more systemic and yeah. and less like con- there's less conscious intent. Yeah. but they're still systemic like yeah it's, it's, i'm with you yeah it's just i like i honestly i still that video still horrifies me to that day because i was like i don't know how you went from like like joking with this guy yes he is drunk and he got panicked and he 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 fought and he ran but where was he going you had his license you had everything you you could arrest him the next day right the, the fact that you they were even intent to arrest him is, is something that I think is the problem because you've seen time and time again, teenagers, young white men just get off. Like they're like, give me your keys or I'll take you to your parents or so forth. But this guy being drunk uh, because he's black, he's going to get arrested. And I think that that is the part where you have to say there is a problem in America and there's a problem with the policing system. Like, uh, like that is, it goes beyond yeah, like, and, just and then ha- having conversations over a few bad apples. And then the the Central Park incident. The problem is almost so big uh, with so many dimensions to it that you can't really. It's hard to wrap your head around it. And then you know, I know we're we're getting close on time yeah. at least right now. But uh, but I'd, I'd love to maybe close. You know, get you get your parting thoughts. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, like Melissa said, the conversation needs to continue, and it needs to go on. It needs to be honest. It needs to be raw. It needs to be uncut, unplugged, on. Un- yeah edited on everything because people have to understand the reality. And that's why I guess to circle back to your point about LinkedIn, I've shared a lot of stuff in the past like two, three months that I have probably, I don't think anybody knows about me, maybe just family and my husband maybe know about me because I just feel so compelled. And I almost, I talked to my co-host on my podcast. I said, I'm to the point now where I don't even care if it affects my career. Because at some point, enough is enough. So if people don't like it or they want to say, I'm a rabble rouser, they want to say, you know, she's a troublemaker or whatever the case may be, I'm going to stand on principle at this point. Because when someone, a a, a law enforcement officer, not even just someone, grinds their knee into a a suspect that was innocent until proven guilty, there's no coming back from that. And if I don't use my voice in some means or some way to affect positive change, then what am I here for? I have to do something to shine a light on what's happening and join my voice with people that are trying to affect positive change. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great stuff with Liz Liba, one of the hosts of the Ed Up podcast and someone who's worth a follow on LinkedIn. Thanks uh, very much, Liz and Melissa, uh, for joining us on, on today's show.